You know, one of the things that uh, God's just been highlighting to me, and it even, you know, we've been actually, you know, a few weeks ago had been doing a series on living from your spirit, man, and praying in tongues, and it's, it ties in to what I feel like the Lord's saying right now is just that for just prayer and worship to increase. And, um, you know, God is going to, he, one of the promises that's going to happen before Jesus comes back is the restoration of the tabernacle of David, which is, it's prophesied in the Old Testament, but also in Acts. This, it talks about the restoration of the tabernacle of David. And if you don't know what the tabernacle of David was, it was 24-7 worship and prayer. And that God is raising up places and cities carrying this. And I believe that Athens is one of those places. You know, three years ago, maybe over three years ago, I mean, I think three years ago, we had uh, the first one voice. Was it 2012, 2011? I can't remember. 2011. And earlier in 2011, the Lord said, I'm restoring the tabernacle of David in Athens. And... Uh, you know, I'd actually, we'd, we'd, this is a joke around that, the awakening now, but before we had named it One Voice, we were going to, one of the possible names was Stoked, an acronym for the spirit of the tabernacle of King David. It was a stretch, you know, so, but uh, thankfully, Holy Spirit steered us towards One Voice. <laughs> um, but he would, but the Lord said, I'm restoring the tabernacle of David, and it doesn't have to look like I hop Kansas City, I hop Atlanta, where it's one place 24-7, but in a city, maybe there's one church that, you know, maybe this is our two hours, and then another pocket of the city is raising up prayer and worship somewhere else in another pocket, you know, and it's carried on throughout 24 hours throughout the day, and I think that's the way it's going to look in Athens, you know. Cornerstone now has a what's called Athens Prayer Center, which they have, I think it's like Monday through Friday from 9 to 9 every day. It's open for prayer and worship. You know, that's just one of the things where God is raising up, raising up the, the prayer and worship in Athens. And I feel like, you know, for tongues is, is like one of the ways that we just personally, you know, will be able to facilitate more prayer in our, in our lives and it's not like doing more is going to be more ple more pleasing to the Lord it's just that God um, wants us to join in on what he's doing and it's and then we're at you know this is a shaking kind of time there's a lot of things happening in the nations um, there's a lot of stuff happening in the U.S. that we don't have to be fearful about you know when not any of the things or warnings that, you know, the Ebola and even the, the pro prophetic dream warning from Rick Joyner about ISIS possibly infiltrating the United States. And just to clarify, if you've watched that video or haven't even heard about it, I'll, I'll talk about it real briefly. But Rick Joyner, who is a prophet based out of Morningstar Church and Ministries in North Carolina, had a dream. And he's a established prophet. You know, this guy is loves the word of God and he's very sound and balanced and everything. But he had a disturbing dream about ISIS infiltrating the Southwest United States. Now when God gives a warning dream, it doesn't have to happen. It doesn't that doesn't mean that ISIS is coming and we you know it means pray that it doesn't happen. Pray that the church wakes up. Pray that God you know, shuts the borders on evil. You know, because, and part of the reason through the Southwest is because of the border, the, the borders on Mexico are very porous right now. And so it's not just immigrants coming through the borders, it's possibility of evil and, and drug lords and that kind of thing, you know. And, uh, and so just praying that the Lord set up angels on the border. You know, God's got an army at his disposal. <laughs> There's 10,000 times 10,000 of them that are just dedicated to worship. <laughs> you know, who's probably more than that. And then he's got others that are on assignment. So it's, you know, we, he's got plenty who have to spare. So we ask God 
to, to close up the borders, and he releases his armies in the spirit to do that. You know, the Ebola thing. And God is, you know, what does Psalm 91 says, say? It says, you know, whether, you know, famine or pestilence come against me, or whether a thousand fall on one side and 10,000 at my right hand, it will not come near me. You know, and so we don't have to, we don't live from the place of fear. We live from the place of being stewards and blessing the earth because God is letting his church know not only to help save the church, but to help save the country. Now, we are the protectors of the country, so to speak. And, and so that's what we do, you know, God, eradicate this, this virus. And, you know, in one of the scriptures in Isaiah, it says, do not look anxiously about you, for I am your God. And that's what's going on a lot in the U.S., anxiously about you, <laughs> Ebola, <laughs> you know, and it, or whatever. And it's not, you don't have to, you're not going to stick your head in the sand, but at the same time, you're not going to get fearful because fear is of the enemy. And uh, peace is what eradicates that fear. You know, you have peace. You know, say, and you, you know, who, who knows what the end times are going to look like, but we're to live without fear of death. We're lit, because death is a door. You get to be with Jesus. Paul said, man, I can't wait to die. He said, it's much better to be with Jesus, but I, my assignment hasn't finished yet. I still got to do what God wants me to do. There's no, he had no fear of death. He's like, take me home, Jesus, any day. I'll be happy to see you, you know, but God's like, you still got marching orders, buddy. And that's why the Lord, you know, even could tell Paul, is like, hey, man, when you go to Rome this time, you're going to come home to see me. Paul said, I'm going to Rome. He just booked his ticket to Rome. No fear of death. And so that's the way we need to live. Because, um, I mean, it's really, I mean, you only got a very short time. If, so you, you live to be 90 years old. It's just a blip on the, on the radar screen of eternity, you know. So, um, and so as we talk about, you know, even prayer, like even in small gatherings that we have or small groups, maybe just taking time just to pray, to taking time to worship a little bit, um, you know, before and just pray for some of the needs the big things that are being highlighted that God's asking us as a church to intercede. We are intercessors for the world. We intercede. And um, Jesus, it says in Hebrews, his, has the ministry of intercession. He ever lives to make intercession. And so that's part of being in Christ is, part, is interceding on behalf of not only ourselves but for the world around us. But to do that, to pray, you've got to, and even to persevere in prayer, there's like some foundational things that you need to have settled in your heart. And so this is why um, I'm going to, you know, probably in the next few weeks be talking about prayer and intercession. You know, I kind of differentiate between the two because some people think prayer, like when you're like, all right, you need to we need to pray, and it looks like interceding, like taking your, your list of things that people have asked you to pray for and like going through that. Prayer is just talking to God and listening to him as well. That's what I describe as prayer. That's why Paul said, pray continuously. When I first read that, I was like, man, I got through my prayer list in like 20 minutes. Like, am I, how, am I, how can I intercede for like the issues of the world? I just got completely overwhelmed by trying to intercede for the problems of the world. You know, that's really Jesus' job. <laughs> he highlights things for us to pray for. But prayer is talking, it's walking with the Lord, being in relationship with him. You listen, you dialogue. And, and so it's that exchange of, like, I would have with a friend, I would have with my wife. Interceding is standing in the gap on behalf of someone else. And so that, that is the minute. So we are, uh, just like the, the Levitical priest would offer the sin offerings on behalf of the whole nation. You know, we are, we are uh, kings and priests in Jesus Christ. And so we do that. We stand on, in on behalf of the world. 
So Psalm 116, this is the uh, first two verses. It says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I shall call upon him as long as I live. And so I just, Holy Spirit, just give wisdom and revelation on those two verses alone. Because that, when I read that this morning, uh, this week, that hit me in a new way that I've never, it's like, I love the Lord because he hears me. I love the Lord because he hears me and my supplications. He has inclined his ear. And that the picture of that is, y'all seen my kids come up here while I'm talking and they're like tugging on my shirt and I, they look up at me and this is all I see. So I, I stoop down, like, Daddy, can I have a piece of gum? What? You know, they're, they're whispering like, Daddy, can I have a piece of gum? What's that, honey? Daddy, can I have a piece of gum? Yes, you can. So this is, the Lord is, boom, he's right here all the time from his holy mountain. <laughs> and he's just down there. He has stooped down to listen to your whispers. How many of you have ever, like, whispered something in your heart that was like a fleeting thought and, like, the Lord answered it? You know, Steve Fish had a, he has this great story where he was looking at flipping through this catalog and there was a shirt in there. And he didn't even, you know, wasn't even like what he considered a formal prayer. He's like, oh, that'd be cool to have. And like just kept flipping. And I looked. Next day, he got a shirt in the mail. And it was that shirt. And this lady that sent it to him, he, she said, I just, I know it's crazy, but I just feel like God wanted you to have this shirt. And he, he it just blew him away because he's like, I wasn't actually even praying. I wasn't even asking God for that. I just said, oh, that'd be cool. You know, and God was just like, yeah, you're my son. I'll get that for you, you know. And so he's, a, he's a, here's your, like, the slightest whispers of our heart. But you can't pray if you don't believe that, that he hears you. You, you will get discouraged and you will not be able to like persevere if you don't believe that God hears you. Sometimes, I mean, I know I've prayed like this in the past where I've just, I've been praying. I was like, man, I hope, I just hope God like does this. I mean, I hope God has mercy. Why wouldn't God have mercy? There's, that's an automatic yes for God. There's things that he has already told us yes to. The promises of God, mercy, triumphs over judgment, forgiveness, his kingdom coming to earth. What does his kingdom look like? Righteousness, peace, and joy, healing, freedom, restoration, redemption, cleanliness, lightness, freedom. You know, and so like you can pray for those things. You pray for freedom. You pray for righteousness. You pray for peace, joy, all those things that come with heaven. Provision. Everything that you need for life. And godliness. Now notice, it doesn't say everything you want, everything you need will be provided. And so there's times where we say, God, I want this, and he's like a good father. And he answers it, but he says no. <laughs> because he knows that there's times where, hey, you're not ready for that. Because he's a wise father. I'm not giving my... Josiah may ask me, he's like, Dad, I want a car. And I'm like, you know what? You're my son. Go ahead. Here's the keys. You're eight years old. Go ahead. I'm not going to do that. It's not time. It's, but it, it doesn't mean I've said no. It just says it's not the right time. And so God hears you, but sometimes we get discouraged because we don't, we don't think he's answering us the way we envisioned it. But he's, he's a wise father. He's wiser than any father ever. And he's not, and he, you know, Graham Cook says, you know, God's always on time. He just misses a lot of opportunities to be early. So, because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I shall call upon him as long as I live. And it's, it's like David is saying, he's like, I have a special audience with God. 
I've got like this, I've got favor with God. All these other people around me kind of beg God, but I come to him as a son. I come to him as a bride. I tell you what, who can get more stuff than my kids is my bride. If she wants something, it's pretty convincing. And so, like, she doesn't come as like, you know, Jessica is, is considerate, but she's not like, I was hoping that maybe I could get a new dress. She's like, hey, I'm, I'm about to go to the loft, and I need some new dresses for work. Is that cool with you? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, it's already, like, happening. You know, I'm just, I just need to come into agreement with it. And so it's like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, she's basically, hey, I'm at, you know, she's never done this, but at the counter of the loft. I'm at the counter of the loft. I'm about to get into some new dresses. Is that cool? You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. You know, but, I mean, but that's kind of how, you know, with my kids, you know, I have a little more, uh, leeway to, to say no, but with my, with my broad, you know, she's, it's almost automatic yes every time. And that's the way it is with the bride of Christ and the groom. You know, you have that, you don't, you don't pray from being a widow, you pray from the place of being a bride. You don't beg for scraps from the table. And so this is the starting point of prayer. You must believe that God hears us, hears you. So fathers bent down far enough to whisper and to hear the whispers of your heart. And the ultimate way that, that the father bent down to hear us was he sent the one who descended upon the earth, Jesus Christ. He puts you in a place where all of your needs will be met. He puts you into Jesus Christ. He put you in a place where all the promises of God are yes and amen. He put you into Jesus Christ. And so he, he actually bent his ear by sending his son. He descended by sending his son, if that makes sense. And so God, I had this, when I was praying about this, I just had this picture of God pitching a tent over my mouth. And it was like everything that came out of my mouth got captured in his tent. And the tent is a place of abiding. It's a place of where someone makes their abode. Y'all use that sometime this week, abode. And, and so he pitches his tent over my mouth, the place of his presence. And so, you know, the, the proverb says life and death is in the power of the tongue. When we speak forth the word of God, the word of God has creative power upon it. So when you come into agreement with God, what does it say about the word of God? It says that it does not return void. It's sharper than any uh, two-edged sword pierces between, you know, bone marrow, soul, and, and spirit. It is powerful. And so when you just speak the word of God, things happen. And they may not happen right immediately. But it's, it's, it is a seed that is sown, that matures, that has different maturity rates on each seed, depending on where you are with the Lord and, and what you're asking. Sometimes there is, there is immediate fruition. He has taken up residence in those who believe. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So persevering in prayer. Number one, in verse 5 of Psalm 116, he, he says, uh, let me turn there. He says, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is compassionate. So you have to believe that the Lord is gracious. He extends his ability and favor towards you because of who he is. So if God is, uh, if he's not gracious, if he's a hard man, what did it say about the, the parable of the talents? 
and the guy that didn't that just buried his talent instead of investing in it. What did he say about his master? Do you remember? He says, I be- knew you to be a hard man. And so when, when you have that view of God, what happens? There's no fruit. Yeah, there's no, there's, you sit on your bottom and hope that you don't get struck with lightning because you have a harsh taskmaster. And so you get paralyzed by fear. But you have to understand that God is, is gracious and compassionate. You must believe he's compassionate. God is the one. He's, he is the one who mourns with those who mourn and rejoices with those who rejoice. He doesn't ask us to do anything that he doesn't already do. You must believe he's righteous. And so God, you have to believe that God will do the absolute best thing for you to prosper in your spirit. Like like I'm saying, he is a wise father. So you have to believe that God knows what he's doing. You must believe that he rescues the humble, the simple, the childlike. Verse 6 says, the Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he saved me. You know, God uses the, the foolishness, our foolishness, to confound the wise. And so the simple, foolish-looking things are, the, are God's keys to the kingdom. But he gives a greater grace, and James 4, 6 says, Therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I ask for humility. That's one of my regular prayers for myself. I ask for humility. One of the things about praying in tongues as well is that you will pray prayers that you probably would never pray about for yourself. Like when you're praying in tongues, you're probably praying, God, crucify every single ounce of flesh in me. And so I know when I bump up my prayer time in tongues, the first thing that happens is junk starts coming out. You remember last week I told you, if you were here, about the uh, funeral procession story where I just was like, you know, I just bit Jessica's head off because she asked a simple question. It was because junk was coming up. And I, but the reason what happened was breakthrough. Now, I could either just let the junk come up, stuff it back down, junk comes up, stuff it back down, junk comes up, stuff it back down. You know, it's like you can just make a little, you know, horrible song out of that and, and have a horrible life because you never deal with the junk. But what happens is the junk comes up, the cross, which takes away all sin, I prayed, I was like, God. I've, you know, I've erected this idol of being a good man, you know, and Jessica just threatened that. And this idol doesn't need to be there. Just bring to death my idol on the cross and resurrect the life of Jesus within me. And, uh, you know, forgave in a few places where I needed to forgive. Forgiveness is the key to freedom. Jesus knew that we were going to have to forgive. He knew that we we're going to get hurt. He knew... Um, you know, even uh, Stephen, as he was being stoned, he was being literally hurt. He cried out, Father, forgive them. Guess who was in that crowd of stoning Paul? He, so he was, Saul, who would later become Paul, was in that crowd. Stephen's prayer of forgiveness, I believed, released the grace of God upon Saul for him to have an encounter with Jesus and become, you know, the mightiest of apostles in the New Testament by some opinions. Because as he was dying, he said, Father, forgive them. So the place of rest, verse 7 says, Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. This psalm has some good, good self-talk verses. You start getting down in the dumps. You start feeling like life is overwhelming you. 
that you've been dealt a bad hand, whatever it may feel like, you say, return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Bountifully. Like, I imagine the Thanksgiving cornucopia overflowing with goodness. Return to your rest. You are telling your spirit man. David does this many times in the Psalms. Psalm 103, what is he telling his spirit to do? Do you remember that psalm? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He's just doing this. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And so he's just like, we're not going to live in this place. Wake up. Wake up, David. We're not going to live here. And then in this place, he's saying, return to your rest, oh, my soul. You know, he may have been, I don't know about mirrors back in that day. He may have been by a stream just looking at his face. like, return to your rest, oh, my soul. Return, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. He has been good to you, David. Travis, he has been good to you. He has been good to you. Thanksgiving and remembering how good God has been to you, which are facets of prayer, brings you into alignment with peace and rest. So there's not Thanksgiving. That's part of praying. Remembering what God has done for you. That's a part of praying. That's a part of meditating upon his goodness. That man. I remember God promised me he was going to deliver me from pornography when I was, before I was even really a Christian, speaking to me as I was walking down the stairs of, you know, delivering me from pornography and from sexual sin and walking down the stairs of my apartment, hearing the still small voice, knowing it was God, and still two years of dragging my feet after that. And in the moment I surrendered, he broke it off of my life because he said, I'm not going to give you any freedom until you give me all of you. And when I gave it all to him, I'd actually forgotten about that promise. But when I surrendered everything, he broke it off. And I remembered like a month later, you told me you would give me freedom if I gave you all of me. You're a man of your word. He's been good to you, Travis. I told the Lord, Lord, I need Christian friends. Because I know I will get sucked back into my, I'm not strong enough in my walk. Who's the first person I met? Jessica. And for the first two months of our relationship, I learned, I was, she was basically mentoring me. We would be on the phone and she would say, yeah, so the Lord told me. I was like, God, what? The Lord told you, like he speaks to you, like in your ear or like what? And she's like, yeah, the Lord, you know, man, the Lord told me like, it just, is this an everyday occurrence? Like, what does this look like? You know, and I'm talking to her and she's stoking holy jealousy in me. I'm like, I I want that. So I get, you know, I get Mark Verkler's book with a title called Hearing God. <laughs> and start, I just got hungry. And I'm like, I'm going to hear God's voice. And sometimes this is what I tried to do to hear God's voice. I, me and Jessica were joking around. I was like, yeah, this is like back in the olden days of first learning to hear. I was like, all right, God, I'm ready to hear. <laughs> Talk to me. <laughs> Oh, I'm listening. Oh. I'm listening real hard. And, you know, it's just, and the guy's like, oh, man, it's the other way around. Chill out. <laughs> you know, you, we relax into the presence of God because it's a place of no striving. It's a place where the yoke is easy. And the burden is light. So you don't go into your devotional times, your times, personal times with God. Like, all right, I got to read so many chapters and 
I got to get through my prayer list and I got to uh, get kind of some kind of fresh revelation. I mean, I got to get some kind of word, you know, and, you know, God just wants you to enjoy being with him. What if all it was you spent two hours, he didn't give you some revelation. All it was you just spent sitting in his presence and acknowledging him. That's good time spent with the Lord. That's doing stuff on the inside maybe you can't see. And that is prayer. Because you're like, God, you're here. I'm listening. I'm talking. I'm listening. I'm talking. I'm listening. Mainly, I want to listen, me personally. And you just, you just sit with the Lord. That's good time spent. Sometimes you feel like you've wasted your time. Not, not in the Lord's eyes. Not in the Lord's eyes. So. so like I said, this is good self-talk. Remind yourself of the truth, the word of God, which is not return void when you speak it forth. Verse 9 says, I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Now, David, I want you to notice something about David. He, supplication is asking God. But David also goes into declaring things. This is a declaration. This is a place of the violence take heaven by force, take the kingdom by force. He's like, I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I shall walk in the land and before the Lord in the land of the living. He's not saying, Lord, can I walk before you in the land of the living? He's saying, I shall, because he knows that's what God wants for him. So when it's a promise, God has promised him. He's like, David, you have an automatic yes to more of my presence. You have an automatic yes to more of me. So get crazy with your prayers about asking for more of me. And so David, he's like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to pray a crazy prayer, Lord. And what this actually says, it says, I will walk before the face of God in the land of the living. Continually, the sunshine of God's smile in the land of the living. He's like, all right, okay, we go to your temple to worship you, Lord. We know that's where your glory dwells. I'm going to ask that your smile and that your presence follow me out of the temple. And that I have... Your smile, your presence, the light of your face shining on me everywhere I go. Because you said I could do that. David, you know, Jesus is called the son of David because he's not only the Messiah, the king that will restore uh, completion and rest to the kingdom of God, David was a forerunner of what relationship with God looked like. He, David actually walked in New Testament truth about relating with God. David ate the bread of the presence, which was only reserved for priests. That was a big, that was a no-no. But David's like, we're hungry. This is God's house. I'm his son. We're going to eat his, the bread of the presence. And the priest was like, well, yeah, oh, okay, go ahead. And, he, and did God strike him down with, with lightning? There wasn't even a rebuke. And David, this is where him taking, he's like, all right, I'm going to dream big with you, God. I want to see your face. Not just one encounter, but how about everywhere I walk all the days of my life? How about that? That's heaven on earth. Because what's heaven going to be like? You're going to be in the presence of God 24-7 for eternity. So he's praying, heaven, come to earth. And I had a dream with Graham Cook. I had this season of life where Graham Cook was rep, kind of the representative of God in the dreams. And this one particular dream, I'll, you know, I'll be frank, because God gave me this dream. So I want to break off some religious thinking on you. So the dream started off, I was wrestling with Graham in the floor, and he pinned me down and farted on my back. Some of y'all just got offended. 
Why would God give me a dream like that, all right? I don't know. Just is like, hey, I'm fun. And I created flatulence. All right? Next scene. I'm drinking wine with Graham in a sitting room. I'm telling you guys, I did that on purpose to offend you. We're sitting, on a, we're sitting in a room drinking wine. And, he, and Graham's like, Travis, what's the dreams of your heart? And I said, I want to lead a, a people in revival. And he kind of, it's like, oh, okay, that's nice. And then he said, what's really in your heart? And I said, well, what's really in my heart is I want to see the face of God. And he went, that a boy. And that was the end of the dream. You know, and so the whole purpose of that is like God's like, Travis, you were made for one thing. To walk, like, do you want me and I want you? And when you live out of that place, every, the revival and everything else will happen. And so this is what David's praying. He's like, I want to see your face all the time in the land of the living. I want heaven to come to earth. I want a perpetual revival. I shall walk in God's presence, the light of his face in the land of the living. Dialogue, communion, acknowledgement of God's presence. Repaying the Lord. How can we repay the Lord? I used to march around the house when I was in seminary declaring this as, a, as worship to the Lord. Seminary were, was nice because I always had two hours before class just to spend with the Lord. Man, what a luxury. I'm just like, man, I, that, was, that was so nice. And, you know, and so it says, what shall I render or offer to the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? I shall lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of all of his people. So I used to walk around the house and I'd be like, how can I repay the Lord for all of his goodness to me? And I would hold, I'd be acting like I was holding up a chalice, a cup, a goblet, whatever you want to call it. And I was, how can I repay the Lord for all of his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. And so what was I doing? What does it mean to lift up the cup of salvation to the Lord? What, is it, what do you do when you lift up a cup to somebody? Cheering. But you're honoring that person. You know, you're at a wedding. You're at a birthday. It's like, let's make a toast to Jamie. He's a good man. And so you lift up the cup of salvation. It's like, Lord, we honor you. I honor you with my life. And the only way I can repay you is to call upon your name. There's nothing I can do for you. The only way I can repay you is to depend on you. <laughs> That's how we repay the Lord. Depend on me. So when we honor God, we lift up the cup and look to him as our only provision. We offer God the only thing we have to offer, which is our lives which means full surrender, full dependency, full commitment, and something we sometimes miss, full accountability. And that's what David said, I will pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of all of his people. David was saying, everybody will know what I vowed to the Lord, and they can call me to the carpet on it. They can say, David, you're not doing, like, you're not living the way the Lord, he's called you to. And so what my, I'll define what accountability looks like to me. The old kind of way of looking at accountability is like, hey, man, how much have you messed up this week? As opposed to say somebody did mess up. It's like, man, dude, that's not who you are. This is who you are. So just leave that junk and be who you are because that's not you. When our kids get in trouble, I tell them that. I was like, you're not like that. You're not grumpy. 
You like to share. You're generous. You need to, that's not who you are. I'll tell them that. That's not who you are. You're generous. You like to share. No, I don't, Dad. <laughs> yes, you, you do. You like to share. <laughs> but it's full accountability. So what that means is David's saying, I'm going to live a life of transparency in a community of people. Because there is an aspect of enjoying God's presence that can only be experienced in community. He's reserved that for those times. Where we come together, Sundays, other times, and we experience the presence of the Lord. I mean, for me, corporate times, it's much easier to actually experience the the manifest presence of the Lord than it is in my personal times. Because Kimberly takes her faith, Matt, Jamie, Teresa, we're all bringing our faith, we're all bringing our worship, and we're joining it together. And it's like this beautiful multiplication of the sum of all the parts. Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 says, With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams, in 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? To do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. I pray that we would do that, Father, that we would do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones, is what verse 15 says. This verse has two layers. It's the physical death of his children that is precious in the Lord's sight, that is valuable to him. Every single person, every one of his children that dies, the Lord, you know, he he is not one who is cold and far off. He, He feels the pain and yet can rejoice and that one of his kids is coming home. And so there's the actual physical death that is precious to the Lord. But the way I've mainly read that verse over the years is that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones, is that when you choose the cross, when you choose to die to the the sin, the old way of the bad habits, when you choose to give that and say, Jesus, let it die on the cross, that is precious in his sight. Because you are dying. The old Travis dies every time I do that. And the new Travis in Jesus is resurrected. And that's precious to the Lord. What does it say heaven does when one sinner repents? It says they rejoice. And that goes for me and you. It's not just you know, people that don't know Jesus. It's every time you repent, every time I repent, there is much rejoicing in heaven. It's precious in the sight of the Lord, because those things die, and we get to abide and enjoy Jesus more, and that's all he wants. The place of prayer and communion is the way of the cross, because this is the way of Jesus. This is taking up a cross daily, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, in other words, walk with me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So corporate prayer, verses 17 through 19 of Psalm 116 says, To you I shall offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of his people. That's the corporate part. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. So this is the picture of corporate prayer. And it's important that we cultivate times of prayer together as community. You know, we've had Sunday mornings that have just turned into prayer times. And we've, had, we've designated Sunday mornings as just times for intercession and prayer. But even 
you know, where two or more are gathered together, you got enough <laughs> for agreement, you know, for, king, for, for having to come. And, you know, even I believe where, where two or more are gathered together, I think Jesus was including himself. So even when you're by yourself and he's there and he's like, I'm agreeing with you, Jesus, he's like, good thing. Let's, let's do it, baby. And so he releases his, you know, his will when we come into agreement. So what, I, what I'm praying for us uh, as the awakening, but also for the body of Christ in general across the U.S., I mean the nations, is what is described in Zechariah chapter 12 that says that this will precede basically the second coming of Jesus. Zechariah has a lot of end-time prophecy in it, and it talks about um, Jesus, you know, restoring his, his throne and his kingdom and ruling from Jerusalem. And, but part of what will precede that is him pouring out a spirit of grace and supplication upon his people. And it goes for, it literally will happen to the nation of Israel where they will see Jesus finally as the Savior and the Messiah and it says they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. But it also goes for the church. Well, we will have a greater revelation of the cross. We'll have a greater revelation of what Jesus has done. And it's going to lead us to that place of godly sorrow and crying out for the nations, crying out for Jesus to receive his inheritance, which is his people. And that spirit, but it has to come by spirit of grace and supplication. It doesn't say, and the people will muster up their strength, and they'll try to do the best they can. No, it says a spirit of grace and supplication. And so you ask, we ask for that. And that you need grace to supplicate. <laughs> you need grace to pray. You need God. And grace, this is the way I define it, is simply God's ability. God, I need your ability to pray. Jesus and the Holy Spirit praying around the clock. I'm probably never going to match that until I'm in heaven. But I can pray for that kind of grace on my life to, do, to where it's, it's not this, like, this mountain. It's not this overwhelming thing in my life. And so we pray for that, that the Spirit, and we will look upon him who they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. They will weep bitterly over him like a bitter weeping over a firstborn. And what's going to happen, this is, what's, when this actually hits Israel, this, because this is not only for the church, this is for the nation of Israel. This is going to be in Jerusalem. You're going to hear people will be, I, I guarantee there's going to be reports of hearing the wailing and the weeping over Jesus because they will see that he's been the Messiah all along. And out of that place is going to be what Romans 6 talks about, about the nation of Israel. Romans 11, I believe. I may have my chapters mixed up. But where the nation of Israel comes in a great mass revival among the Jewish people and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and see him as the Messiah. But the church will be a part of that as well. So let's stand up. Father, I, I just thank you for the spirit of grace and of supplication, Lord. And, and Father, I just say that you know, we need help, Lord. Lord, we want to be with you wherever you are. And it says that you ever live to make intercession. I pray that you would destroy ideas and paradigms of what it looks like to pray, what it looks like to commune with you, what it looks like to intercede, that, Father, that we don't have to get into this religious working ourselves up type posture, but, Lord, the slightest request, the slightest declaration, Father, hits your ears and you answer us because you've inclined your ear to us, Father, and you hear our voice. Lord, we love you because you hear us in our supplications, God. 
I just thank you for that. I thank you that you hear us. Thank you so much that your ear is pitched over our, our mouth. Thank you, God, that there's nothing in our heart that can escape your ear. That you are a loving father. That you are so intentional. You are so in tune with our heart. You know every thought from afar. You know every thought before I even have it, God. You, you've counted the, the hairs on my head. You're, you are intimately acquainted with me. So you are a father that hears. And I pray that you would just really settle that in our hearts, God. That you would give us wisdom and revelation about that. That we would meditate upon that, that thought, I love the Lord because he hears my voice. I love the Lord because he hears my voice. That's so wonderful, Father. So good of you. Lord, show us. Teach us how to pray. Show us how to pray. Let us come into agreement with you for the nations, for our nation, for our families. Lord, I just, Lord, I want to pray for people uh, sitting here right now, Father, who have people in their household who are not saved. Father, your word says that you and your whole household will be saved. And, Lord, a household is not just immediate family. It's cousins and aunts and uncles and all that. And so, Lord, I just declare right now, Father, that there's family members, extended household members who do not know Jesus that are coming to Jesus soon and very soon. Lord, we release salvation upon them, Father. We ask that you release harvesting angels. Holy Spirit, convict them of sin, judgment, and righteousness. And let them see Jesus for who he is and let them mourn over that they, as they would mourn over a firstborn son. And, and let them see what Jesus has done on the cross and that their sins have pierced him to the cross like our sins have as well. Let there be a, a just a godly sorrow and repentance and bring them in and let them know that they're not slaves but they're sons and their daughters. Break off the addictions, Father. Break off uh, destructive cycles of sin. Just bring complete freedom and deliverance, Father, a complete salvation upon their lives. Thank you, Lord.